0: you clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland.
1: Oh boy. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Tower Junkies is a podcast that analyzes, discusses, and above all else celebrates the work of Stephen King with a special focus on his magnum opus The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes, and review the books and comic series in Kef episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, non-Tower King novels, TV and film adaptations of King's work, and the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkies.com com, and follow us on every level of social media at Tower Junkies Pod. I'm your host, Matt Hurt, and uh, it's just me today. Uh, and uh, I'll get to that in a minute, but yeah, this is a big episode. This is exciting. Um, today on the podcast, I'm going to be gushing and uh uh i'm going to be subjecting you to my lunatic ravings over the uh latest news about season 2 of Hulu's original series inspired by the work of Stephen King Castle Rock i'll also be talking about the surprise casting announcement of the Dark Tower TV series um that's going to be premiering on uh, that's gonna, that's got a pi- it's close to getting a pilot order for with Amazon so let's let's uh let me let me try to just keep my wits about me on that. Um, so yeah, the reason that I'm here solo is that tiny had work obligations and everything. He, uh, um, I was messaging him kind of throughout the day when all the news was breaking and everything about dark tower. And, um, (laughs) like he wasn't responding to me or anything. And like we had had plans to record actually, uh, We were gonna record a oh we were gonna record our Pet Cemetery review tonight and it was kind of a kind of a loose um, loose scheduling like we were kind of gonna play it by ear and see see how it goes and and then kind of decide if we're gonna record uh, tonight and we were supposed to do Pet Cemetery and a Bandersnatch review uh, for my solo podcast anthology so. Anyway, so he wasn't responding to my messages. I was sending him, uh, news articles and, uh, tweets and stuff, like just ridiculous crap. Um, and so he, uh, it got close to the time where we usually record, and I'm, I, I had I hadn't heard from him, so I sent him a text saying like Hey, are you okay? Is everything all right?" And he went on to explain that he's just been swamped at work and he kind of spaced everything. And um, anyway, that's that's more information than you guys need. Who cares? Um, so he's he's not here. I gave him the night off, and uh, he'll be back uh, soon. So. Uh, basically <laughs> uh this whole day has kind of thrown me off in, in the best possible way um i'm recording this thursday march 21st and we just got news about the uh casting of the dark tower tv show and yesterday we got news about castle rock season 2 Basically, up until this point up until thirty six hours ago, I had a a uh, couple of recordings that I was going to put together and release as an episode of tower junkies and when the news when the news hit about Castle Rock yesterday, I was going to uh, supplement the recording with something about that and then release it last night but um, as if Ka willed it. Um, I started, I actually started an online course to or online degree program. So I started school this week and I had a bunch of stuff I had to do last night. And so I had planned to, uh, like my whole plan was, okay, get my assignments done and get everything squared away on, on the school front and then, uh, go ahead and do all the podcast stuff afterward. By the time I got done, it was like midnight and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is going to have to wait till tomorrow. But fortunately it waiting until tomorrow has opened me up to talk about the dark tower. So those recordings that I had, um, I don't know how much I had. I basically had me and Tiny talking about the uh, that hashtag show.com's announcement of, from like February about the Dark Tower TV show shooting soon. And then a supplemental recording of me talking about, speculating about what Dark Tower could be. Um, what it could be for, what it could mean for Amazon and how they could just a bunch of just fanboy conjecture and everything. So instead of just dumping that recording and starting fresh with this one, I went ahead and threw that up on the Patreon, uh, RSS feed. So, um, if you're interested in that, I mean, it's dated stuff. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of nullified by today's news and everything, but if you're interested in that, go to patreon.com. Uh, you can just pledge a dollar and you'll get access to the RSS feed. Um, But yeah, but here on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about everything that happened in the last 36 hours, so strap in and enjoy. Um, First up, though, before I do all of that, I do have a couple of Stephen King check-ins to go through. Um, Let's see, the first one I have is that I went to uh, Books A Million just randomly the other day, um, and I was browsing the uh, selection. I always... I'm weird. And whenever I go to the bookstore, I always kind of obviously peruse the King section and everything. Um, I ended up buying a heart shaped box by uh, Joe Hill. And I had a nice conversation with the clerk that uh, checked, uh, checked me out at the register. Um, She was talking about how she loves Joe Hill. And I have, honestly, I've never read Joe Hill. I have never read Joe Hill's work. Um, And she was telling me, uh, like she was saying that, he is similar, like I told her that I heard that he has a similar style to Stephen King and to his dad, obviously. And she said that he does, but the way that Stephen King, uh, writes in such a circular fashion and kind of gets kind of lost in, in, in details and everything, uh, Joe Hill's a lot more refined with that. So I'm excited to check that out. Um, I think what I want to do, and this is just I don't know. I don't know if this is entirely plausible or possible, but what I want to do is get Mike from the Obsessive Viewer and my friend uh, on to review the Joe Hill novels with me and Joe Hill's work, essentially, as kind of like a separate—not separate, but like a um, a side project uh, review series within the feed of of Tower Junkies. But we'll see how that goes. On that front, also, uh, Mike, my friend, Mike, Mike White. Um, he finished eleven twenty two sixty three, and I am so pleased and so excited for him because he loved it. Like he thinks that it could be his, one of his, it could, it, when the dust settles in like a year or so after he's kind of uh, like stepped away from it and has let it settle in his mind, he said that he could see it being like his favorite book ever. Uh, he said that he's never been more engrossed by a novel and I am so excited about that um and he is he's a teacher, and he is about to be on spring break uh from work here in a week or two, so I'm going to uh try to get it worked out to where he and I can sit down and chat about eleven twenty two sixty three on the podcast so be on the lookout for that um yeah, any other check-ins we have a lot of stuff coming up pet cemeteries coming out hearing great things about that, and then in the summer. I I know that Nosferatu is coming out on AMC and I want like hell to do an episode by episode review of that. But I can't guarantee that, I, that we will uh, be able to pull the trigger on that just because I'm, I'm in school now and, uh, I don't have cable. <laughs> um, so it'll be tricky to get the episodes and, uh, Yeah. And also I'm in my brain. I need to, I want to review Nosferatu, the novel first, and I don't know when I'll have time to get that in, get that in. So anyway, um, we'll see, but, uh, we will be still doing releasing content for you guys. Um, I promise as, as much as we can. And finally for the last two things for check-ins, one is that I am about halfway through listening to the stand. Um, I've read this book a couple of times before. This is my first time listening to the audiobook and I am so engrossed by it. I love the way like this is uh something that I tweeted about with Under the Dome and everything is that I love how uh it, particularly the stand uh, okay, one of my favorite shows of all time is Lost and Lost borrowed heavily from Stephen King, drew a lot of inspiration. I remember on the bonus features on the Blu-rays for Lost, they talked about how they had a copy of the stand in the writers' room at all times and like since I've been, uh, kind of casually revisiting lost on obsessive viewer for our little, uh, um, uh, lost point, um, uh, TV swap challenge, whatever we call that. I don't remember. Um, I've been more conscious of the plot points of lost in cause they've been kind of resurfacing resurfacing in my mind. And it's just so incredible to see the connections, um, that lost made with the stand like there's so many little references and things that just feels like lost just ripped it right off right out of the pages of of uh of the stand and i'd forgotten about a lot of that cuz it's been a few years since i've read the stand so um really digging that okay so my final check in for this episode and then i'll get into all the news and everything is that uh on the stephen king subreddit there was a post that was by a user who said that, uh, uh, when my, uh, the, the title of it was when my old home was broken into, all of my Stephen King books were stolen or completely destroyed. Besides my copy of it, this is all I have left. It was just, it's just a picture of two, uh, worn, um, I think signet, uh, paperbacks of, uh, Salem's Lot and Nightmares and Dreamsca- Dreamscapes. Um, and then she posted a follow-up post, um, just recently saying that someone had gifted her from the subreddit had gifted her a uh, copy of Rose Matter. And so I sent her a message just saying like, Hey, uh, I was really touched by your story and everything. And, um, if you'd like, I'd be happy to send you a copy of a book or have, have one shipped to you or send you a gift card or whatever. So I did that. And so, um, she's going to be getting a copy of the stand on my dime. So I'm super, uh, Pleased with myself for doing that. That sounds so weird and self I don't know what that. I don't know. But anyway, um, that was my good deed for the day. And um, uh, if I, I, I made sure uh, to make the uh, gift card have an image of Tower Junkies on it. So if you're listening, I uh, hope you enjoyed the stand. If not, don't. Well, I mean. If you're not listening, there's no point in me talking. But um, if if she's listening, uh, I hope you enjoy the podcast and enjoy the stand. So anyway, I'll put a link in the show notes and everything for for the uh, for the Reddit posts and everything. So if, if you're in a giving mood, uh, you know you can go ahead and uh, check that out there and send her a message. But also, um, she's been receiving a lot of uh, outpouring of, of support and like like she posted on. Um, uh, another several sub- uh, the books subreddit, which this sounds like I'm stalking her. I'm not. I promise. Um, <laughs> saying that she's like t- talking about how uh the other user had sent her matter and like in the th- in the comments, it was just amazing. Like people were like, "Oh, hey, I have a spare copy of Cell, and I have a spare copy of this. If you want, I can send it to you and stuff." It's just I don't know. Just there's something about that community, whether it's the Stephen King community, reading community redditors i don't know what it is but it's just something that's really heartwarming that you know that is a kind of thing that uh happens on the internet so yeah uh that's my check-in link in the show notes and everything so let's go on to the news for this uh for this episode all the big news from the last 36 hours um let's start off i'm not going to start off with the dark tower I'm gonna go chronologically. Uh, there are timestamps in the show notes if you just can't wait for me to uh, get to the Dark Tower news um, and give my spin on it. So uh, first up is Castle Rock season two. So when Tiny and I reviewed, finished reviewing uh, season one uh, like a couple of weeks ago, um, he and I kind of thought about how we would want future seasons to go and how we kind of there was speculation that it could be uh, going. To Sidewinder uh Colorado and and taking place in the Overlook and, and kind of following uh uh Jackie Torrance in the Overlook and everything. Um we were kind of mixed on that, I think. Um I've kind of gone back and forth on it um since we recorded, but that's uh pointless. <laughs> or it's or it's not um I don't know, it's it's not necessarily pointless, but it's uh, a moot point because we got news about the plot and characters of Castle Rock Season 2. Official word of it, so here we go. In Season 2, a feud between warring clans comes to a boil when budding psychopath Annie Wilkes, Stephen King's nurse from hell, gets waylaid in Castle Rock. So, my God, okay, this is... Uh, oh this is this is good this is so much fun um so <laughs> uh there's a lot to unpack with this guys um I'll get to the casting and everything, but just right off the bat, I want to say that uh Castle Rock handling Annie Wilkes a young Annie Wilkes even that could be so good and so incredible um Annie Wilkes is obviously the antagonist for misery and She, Let me talk a little bit about Misery. We're going to be reviewing it this year for sure now. But Misery is one of my favorite Stephen King novels. And it's specifically because it is such an interesting exercise in the creative mind battling the personification of it's doubts and it's uh fan base and toxic fandom. And there's, there's so much about misery that is so just beautifully, beautifully written by King. And Annie Wilkes is one of the most terrifying characters I've ever read. Um, she is, she is so just unsettling and unnerving in such a big way. And I am so excited to see, that character make uh, her way to Castle Rock. Um, So I think there's a lot that can be mined from that. Um, The fact that it's a prequel, it's uh, telling the story from, you know, a young Annie Wilkes is an interesting one. And I'm very curious uh, how it's going to play out and everything. So casting, um, Annie Wilkes is going to be played by Lizzie Kaplan, Lizzie Kaplan, uh, who she's been in Cloverfield, Party Down, uh, Hot Tub Time Machine. Um, she's been in a lot of good stuff. Uh, I almost said good stuff too. That stuff's all like really good, uh, stuff that I really like, uh, Masters of Sex. She was in, I haven't seen that, but, uh, I really like her as an actress. I've liked her as an actress for a long time. Oh, she was in Mean Girls. That's right. So I've liked her as a as an actress uh, for a long time now and I am super excited for her to be tackling the role of Annie Wilkes. I think that she could do a really good job. Um and I'm I'm I don't know. Uh we'll see. I'm I'm so excited because she is Annie Wilkes like the description and everything um basically basically each each uh character in the kind of press release and in, in the news items uh, has little um, log lines to them and everything. So uh, Lizzie Kaplan, it says Lizzie Kaplan's Annie Wilkes is a nurse and super fan battling to overcome mental health issues. Um, so I think that that's a good, like kind of meaty role for Lizzie Kaplan. Um, it's interesting because Castle Rock season one had Sissy Spacek playing a character who has dementia and Alzheimer's and who is battling her own, you know, mental disorders and everything. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if it's going to, um, I don't know if it's like a, not continuation of that, but it's, it's an interesting parallel to draw that we have another character that is battling mental illness, um, and mental health issues. Um, uh, co-starring as joy, Um, Annie's homeschooled teenage daughter uh, who is starting to have questions about her mother's sanity is Elsie Fisher. Now Elsie Fisher came on the scene last year in eighth grade, Bo Burnham's directorial uh, debut and uh, which was snubbed by the Academy. It deserved so many Oscar nominations. Elsie Fisher I had as a lock for a best actress nominee nomination, but it didn't happen. Um, she was phenomenal in eighth grade. Eighth grade was my number one movie of 2018. And a lot of that is due to, first of all, well, really it's due to, uh, Bo Burnham just tapping into what it's like to be an eighth grade girl, um, and an eighth grade student. Just the, the pressure and the anxiety, like I, it just tapped into something so deep in my soul. (laughs) Um, and, Elsie Fisher just brought that to life in such a profoundly real and and natural and uh, honest way that it just like that performance in that movie just blew me away. So the fact that she's going to be in Castle Rock playing Annie Wilkes's daughter is insane to me. I I love that. And I am so excited for uh, what's what the season will will uh happen what the season will happen what the season what will come of the season and everything and uh just judging from everything i'm worried for elsie fisher's character um we'll we'll see uh the next uh casting announcement this is this is such a cool one and it's so in keeping with again this is kind of a similar kind of parallel to um Season 1 of Castle Rock, but Tim Robbins is going to be playing Reginald Pop Merrill, uh, the patriarch of Stephen King's iconic crime family. Pop is dying of cancer and at a reckoning with his family. Uh, Tim Robbins, of course, played Andy Dufresne in The Shawshank Redemption, which I feel like it would not be unfair to say that The Shawshank Redemption is one of the most well regarded uh, Stephen King adaptations of all time. And Tim Robbins starred in it as Andy Dufresne. So, it kind of seems like this is following uh this casting is following Castle Rock season 1 casting Sissy Spacek in in the role of Ruth Dever. Um they're kind of doing that sim a similar thing of casting someone from within the uh Stephen King adaptation universe um to play a role in the show. Now uh Pop Merrill. Well, I'll talk I'll talk about the Merrills here in a moment. So the next casting announcement is Garrett Headland, uh, who was previously in uh I just I recently within the last year saw him in Oh my god Tron Legacy. There we go. Um he plays John Ace Merrill, uh, Castle Rock's legendary bully. Ace is taking over his Uncle Pop's uh businesses and threatening a fragile peace with nearby Jerusalem's lot. Um so Ace Merrill is uh, the, I, okay. So he, from what I understand, and I, I, uh, may be getting some of the details wrong. He is the character. First of all, I know that he is the character that Kiefer Sutherland portrayed in Stand By Me. So he's in the, he's the antagonist of the body and in Stand By Me, um, which is exciting because I, I love Stand By Me. Um, and I haven't read the body, but we will, we will cover that in the lead up to season two of Castle Rock. And he also makes an appearance in Needful Things, which is a book that I have not read yet. And I believe that, uh, Pop also appears in Needful Things, um, from what I, from what I understand. Um, we're hopefully going to be covering that. Also, uh, this is a good time to say that I really, really hope that season two of Castle Rock doesn't premiere until like the fall, like late fall. (laughs) Um, just for my sanity, because we have so much stuff going on across all three podcasts um, in the next few months. Obviously, obviously Castle Rock isn't going to be coming out in a month or two, but I just would love to have some breathing room there. Um, and if any reps from Hulu are listening to this, please, we would love screeners. Um, that would be delightful. Um, I'm going to work really hard to try to get screeners so we can stay on top of it, but that's neither here nor there. Um, Ace Merrill, uh, haven't read Needful Things, haven't, uh, uh yeah, so we'll talk about that uh, later. But Garrett Hedlund is a good is a good actor. I remember liking him a lot in Tron Legacy. He has this good presence to him. And yeah, I, I my one hope is that they don't make uh him like as uh I hope they give him some dimension. Like I, cuz I kind of feel like stand by me and uh, he's kind of just a not token bully or anything but he's just like he's kind of that greaser kind of guy um i don't know it's it's kind of become it has kind of become a not stereotype but kind of a um archetype i should say um the two more cast lists uh casting announcements um y- yasra warsama is playing dr nadia omar the Harvard trained Somali medical director of a rural hospital in Jerusalem's lot, Dr. Omar's rational and scientific mind will be put to the test. Super excited about this character. From what I could from what I could glean from the internet, she's uh, Nadia Omar is not in the Stephen King universe, so she is an original character for Castle Rock. Um, if I'm incorrect on that, please, please correct me. Uh, Matt at ObsessiveViewer.com or Facebook.com slash Tower Junkies Pod. Or at Tower Junkies Pod if you want to do it publicly on Twitter. Um, so, so I'm really excited for this character because, according to this description, she is obviously a rational and scientific person, and I just I love that idea. The idea of that clashing, like that clashing with whatever supernatural, paranormal, whatever crap goes on in Castle Rock in this season. I just I like the idea of a character just uh, you know being confronted with that and and trying to wrestle with that. That's a trope of Stephen King's that is, is incredible. And I love that in any fiction. So I'm really excited for that. Rounding out the casting announcement is Barkhad Abdi, who was in, uh, Captain Phillips. He actually, I believe got nominated or won an Oscar for that. And he was also recently in, um, oh my God, Blade Runner 2049, which was, uh, which is awesome because that was my 20, 17 movie of the year so we've got two people in this cast list who were in uh my top movies of the last two years so if that's not great casting um or exciting casting at least for me um then I don't know what is because that is uh super exciting so uh Barkhad Abdi is playing uh, he'll portray Abdi Omar, the tough older brother of Nadia. Abdi le- leads the charge to build a Somali community center that will deepen the roots of his people in Maine. Um So, yeah, so that's that's all the information we have about season two of Castle Rock. Um I'm excited to see what comes of it and what happens and what what these characters are going to how these characters are going to interact and what's going to happen. I can't wait. As you heard in our reviews of Castle Rock, season one, um, I loved the show. Like I really, really adored the show because it tapped into so many things that I love. Like it's a Stephen King show. It has that lost mystery vibe, and it's just it's 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 such a great hour of television for my tastes. And uh, yeah, I'm super excited to see what is to come. And you can be damn sure that we're gonna have more of those stupid, uh, Castle Rock Party Rock Anthem, uh, intros, uh, to come when we do review them. So, yeah. Okay, I'll put a link in the show notes to the deadline article detailing season two, the season two of Castle Rock, uh, casting and plot analysis and everything or announcements. Um, to reiterate, there's no release date or anything. Uh, just as it's going to come later this year, fingers crossed. It's like October or November for just for my sanity. So we'll see. Um, So, uh, yeah, next up, uh, the Dark Tower TV show news that happened today. So some background before I dig into this, to this, uh, big kind of, I don't want to say bombshell because it's just, it's a cat. Okay. If, if, (laughs) if you're looking at this outside of the Dark Tower Stephen King fandom bubble that we exist in, um, just by, you know, consuming Stephen King podcasts or talk creating Stephen King podcasts. Um, by default, we are within this kind of bubble. Um, to be honest, this it. I mean, it's not to be pessimistic or or be cynical or anything, but it's on like two outside observers. It's like, oh, another Stephen King adaptation. Oh, it's an adaptation of of something that was already adapted a couple years ago. They're rebooting it. Um, it's a pilot order from Amazon. And it's two actors being announced. Like on the on the surface, to the outside observer, there's nothing really substantial there. But um, (laughs) it's kind of everything to us, and to me, like at least I can't speak for everyone, but for to me, it's everything. Um, Background on the Dark Tower TV show, also Uh, a few or a couple years ago. At this point, this is 2019. So like uh, in Late 2016, early 2017, like kind of in the lead up to the Dark Tower movie, uh, they had announced that it was going to be, uh, that there was going to be a companion TV show that uh, Glenn Mazzara was going to be show running. Glenn Mazzara was, uh, I'll talk about him in a bit, um, but yeah, it, when they announced it. I remember like, I remember the day that the TV show, the companion TV show was announced. It was basically, I don't remember the exact date obviously, but, um, the day that it was announced, I was at work and basically, um, at this point we knew that a dark tower movie was coming. We knew, I believe we knew that Idris Elba was, was cast in it and it was going to be Idris and Matthew McConaughey. And yeah. And I knew like whispers that there was going to be a companion TV show. So, I remember I was at work. I was when I was in the call center, um, in a call center job and I saw the news and like, I just immediately texted tiny and I was like, Oh my God, what, what's going on? What, like, have you read this? This is incredible. What they had done was they announced that it was going to be a television show that was going to have a season order at, um, I think, was it at NBC or was it also at Amazon? I don't think it was at Amazon. I I think it was at NBC, but uh, it was gonna have a season order, so that was guaranteed ten to twelve episodes, and that it was going to be uh show run by Glenn Mazzara, and that it was going to be tackling the story, the backstory of Roland Duchesne, particularly what's depicted in Wizard and Glass, his time in Magis, with Cuthbert Elaine Alan, and uh Susan Delgado and the Big Coffin Hunters, all that stuff. Uh Rhea the Coos. So um Yeah, so that was super exciting. When they announced it at the time, they had this um, image that Stephen King uh, shared around also that was a map of uh, the Magus Barony. And it just said, Let the legend um, in the... um, What was it? It was a line from the Gunslinger. um, I believe it was after... In the gunslinger after, uh, Roland won his guns from court. Um, it was a line that court said to him and that line is me vamping as I find it in my phone. I think I remember it. Uh, let the word and the legend go before you. Let me just confirm that. Okay. I don't have it on my phone anymore, but I'm pretty sure that that's the line. So anyway, um, Yeah. So I was so excited about that. Like I was, I was so like emotionally excited about that. Um, and yeah, I was, I was nerding out hardcore at work about it. So that was, that was exciting. Um, and then around the time then the, that the movie came out and bombed, um, they were still talking about it like slightly. Um, they had said that Glenn Mazar was still attached to it and that they were still going to move forward with the TV show, um, and Glen Mazzara actually said in a statement, "Okay, yeah. So like the day before the Dark Tower came out in theaters, um, they announced that Glenn Mazzara was going to take take uh, the position of showrunner for the Dark Tower TV show. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm so I'm so impressed that." Uh, that they're sticking to it and everything also, but that I'll get to that in a moment. Um, By the way, to correct a previous thing that I said, no network was attached to it in that incarnation of the show. Um, But the company, like the production company, MRC um, and Sony, uh, Sony pictures, television were developing it and had like, had the funds for a full season or 10, 13 episodes. So anyway, um, Glenn Mazara said, uh, he told the Hollywood reporter, he said, quote, I've been a Stephen King fan for decades and the opportunity to adapt the Dark Tower as a TV series is a great honor. The events in The Gunslinger, Wizard and Glass, The Wind Through the Keyhole, and other tales need a long format to capture the complexity of Roland's coming of age. How he became The Gunslinger, how Walter became The Man in Black, and how their rivalry uh, cost Roland everything and everyone he ever loved. I could not be more excited to tell the story. It feels like giving it feels like being given the key to a treasure chest and oh yeah, we'll have Billy bumblers um so this was all back in August of twenty seventeen so in that time in in the intervening year and change uh he's been kind of mum about the adaptation the tv show um there's been whispers here and there i think stephen king at one point said that they were get, that they were going through with it and that they were going to reboot it and ignore the movie and uh there was an uh, there was one tweet that and i'm apologize uh, by the way i apologize if i'm reiterating stuff from previously on the podcast but i think it's important to have context for it so um there was a tweet uh some time ago that was something about, I think it was, uh, a tree, like, a, um, a tree branch fell somewhere or something like that. And then like Glenn Mazzara had, uh, taken a picture of it and tweeted it and said something to the effect of, uh, it's hard when you're working, like when you're working along the path of the beam or something like that. Um, and one of the, I think it was Amazon's like production people, or I think it may have been like a, a, a studio executive, had retweeted it and said, yeah, look at like uh, our, our writers are really hard at work. Um, our writers really work hard and un- even under, um, uh, dangerous conditions like that, kind of jokingly, but she had had hashtag dark Tower TV. And then that tweet was wiped from the internet. <laughs> um, it was deleted and, but it was still there cause uh, the internet's in ink. So, um, that was, maybe six months ago I think or maybe longer maybe nine months ago but recently that hashtag show which we talked about recently so I won't won't harp on it announced that they were planning on uh, production starting in April and it was going to be filmed in Croatia and that they were going to you know make that like that the show was on track to be made Um, that came from like they had an exclusive I was skeptical because I'd never heard of the website and other I I I just I was so hesitant about it. So I had emailed Amazon and was like, "Hey, uh is this a thing that's happening?" because I love I love the Dark Tower. Uh they never responded, so that's I mean, that's fine. So, um yeah, and I did more internet sleuthing and everything. Go check that out over at uh the Patreon feed. It's uh yeah, just, you know. Anyway, that brings us to today. So, um news broke today that Glenn Mazar is the showrunner for the Dark Tower TV show and it has cast Roland Deschain and um some articles don't say specifically that uh the other actor was cast as the man in black Walter Martin Broadcloak what have you uh Randall Flag um but other websites do so there's there's a little bit of um crossed messages there but it's kind of got to be it's it's got to be the man in black so okay um here we go so jasper and i think i think he's finished so if you, if any Finnish people um are listening to this or or know how to pronounce words um please correct me but sources say uh, this this is coming from variety.com Quote, sources say that Jasper Pakkonen and Sam Strike have both been cast in the pilot, which is based on the Stephen King book series of the same name of The Dark Tower. Uh, Strike will play Roland Deschain, also known as the gunslinger, while Pakkonen... Uh, is believed to be playing the Man in Black, also known as Martin Broadcloak and Randall Flagg. The series is said to tell the story of how Roland became a gunslinger in his first encounter with the villainous Man in Black. Uh, The project is produced by Media Rights Capital, who also uh, produced the movie, uh, Glenn Mazar is attached as the executive producer and showrunner. The series was originally intended to tie in to the long gestating 2017 film that starred Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, but the plan now is for the series to be a more faithful adaptation of the book series. Um, and then it goes on to say that The Dark Tower is one of several high-profile projects that Amazon has in the works, as the streamer looks for Game of Thrones-esque content. That it can sell internationally. Other major product, uh, other major projects on Amazon's development slate include a Lord of the Rings series, which has already received a two-season commitment. Uh, J.D. Payne and Patrick McKay are attached to develop that series. Something that the article doesn't say also is that uh, they also are working on an adaptation of Wheel of Time, uh, which is a book series I've never read and don't know much about, but it is another like high fantasy um, series that has a very big popular, uh, vocal fan base too. So, I mean, Amazon is kind of, it kind of seems like they're kind of throwing, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. And I hope to God that the dark tower sticks, please let it stick. Um, I just, I need this guys. Um, so, uh, yeah, so let's, let's unpack this news. First of all, let's talk about the cast. Uh, Sam strike. I have not seen him in anything. Um, uh, that i'm that i'm aware of or conscious of um he was in uh the george r, r. martin sci fi series Night flyers all ten episodes so i'm going to check that out and kind of get a read on him um he is from, he's irish or from the u k or, or uh, from england i don't i don't know but anyway um he's a young guy uh the show is reported to tell the story of how Roland got his guns and his quest in magus and um kind of the stuff like, like Glenn Mazzara had said back in 2017, uh, the stuff from wizard and glass went through the keyhole, other kind of flashback stories, the gunslinger. So this is really interesting to me. And I, I swear I'm kind of all over the place. I'll get to that in a second. Cause I just realized I need to talk about Jasper Perconan, but he Jasper Perconan, is reported to be playing the man in black. He was recently in black Klansman, which was one of my top 10 movies of last year. He, I think, I think it was one of my top 10, right? Yeah. Anyway. Um, so it should have been, um, and it should have got, you know, best picture over green book, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so yeah, so he plays Felix in black Klansman. Felix is this very, uh, temperamental and just psychotic clans uh clans uh, clansman uh, who is he's like the quint, not quintessential but he is the prototypical um angry um uh wild card character or wild card like clansman and i think that his performance in black clansman i i just i kind of i rewatched a few scenes Uh, tonight before I recorded I think that that can transfer very well into Martin Broadcloak and the story that presumably the show is going to be telling he is this nefarious uh, conspiratorial sorcerer that is orchestrating things like I I think that this actor could be unbelievable in this role i am so excited for this casting i think it is truly inspired and i think that we are in for something really special provided that this gets picked up to series and gets the uh gets you know a long lifespan on amazon prime video um sam strike on the other hand like i said i haven't seen anything of his i will report back i'm going to watch night flyers and check out uh and see what uh what he does or how he is so let's talk about the show itself. Like what we can expect. So it is going back and it's telling the story the the, the backstory of Roland Deschain. And so it's it's something that I've kind of wrestled with. Like should they adapt The Dark Tower in this way? Should The Dark Tower make the jump from book to to television or film by doing it this way? And um Another very popular, another very popular Stephen King. We're not very popular, guys, uh, that comes with the territory of taking six to nine months off. But anyway, a very popular Stephen King podcast, the Stephen King cast, had tweeted and said that he can't get the constant reader host over there. He cannot get excited about it because he doesn't believe that it should be told chronologically. And then he believes that the Wizard and Glass story of Roland Deschain. It only really only works as a narrative that gives context to the character that we already know in Roland Deschain, um, who is on the quest for the tower. And I totally get that. I absolutely understand that. And it's something that I'm probably gonna be waffling and wrestling with in the coming months to a year, when however long it takes us to actually see this damn thing. Um but I don't know. And another, th- another thing is that I've, I've always, I've been very vocal about this that any adaptation of the Dark Tower needs to start with the gun, the man in black fled across the desert and the, the gunslinger followed. Of course, it can still start that way and they, we can still have a flashback. Like this entire series could be a flashback, but that raises some interesting questions. Like if it's a flashback, like how are we going to see, like are they going to cast other act, like are they going to tell a dual narrative? of like are they gonna like I I don't know how it could be possible <laughs> um because they basically have a situation where one of the most iconic lines of Stephen King's entire bibliography um jump starts this story that is a a, a 30-year story that a uh, story that he told over the course of 30 years and in those 30 years he has he has expanded the mythology, the backstory and everything. And in that expansion and the, the backstory of the gunslingers of Gilead, the fall of Gilead, the battle of Jericho Hill, um, the way that the world moved on the good man, John Farson, all that stuff is, is backstory that we have, we as tower junkies have been mulling over in our mind. And it's something that I truly, truly believe is very riveting and very much something that deserves the television show treatment. However, and I get this and I don't, I'm wrestling with this myself. However, all of that is like, like the constant reader over at Stephen King cast said, all of that story is telling context is giving context to Roland's pursuit of the tower, not the pursuit of the man in black, uh, to kill him, but, um, his pursuit of the tower, his quest, his ka, his, his entire meaning for being like the entirety of wizarding glass is a story about him. Um, uh, him kind of be becoming getting, getting the beginning stages of his urge to go to the tower and everything. So how do you adapt Stephen King's I would go ahead and say probably most difficult work to adapt. Um, how do you go about adapting that a seven, eight book series all about a quest for a tower, but make it into a television show about all the stuff leading up to his quest for the tower? <laughs> like I, I, I can see, I can see it being an incredible challenge for Glenn Mazzara and his, his writing staff and everything, his cotet um I could see that being being highly, highly challenging. But also, I don't know, my rationale, and this is in the afterglow of this news being announced and my excitement over, because I read I read The Gunslinger Born, um and the like, all all of the comics uh, that depicted this stuff. And, like, the comics are written by Robin Firth, who is the authority on the Dark Tower universe. She was uh, Stephen King's uh, personal assistant or writing assistant or whatever her um, title was. But she was the one who compiled all of the notes and everything and, and, you know, is the keeper of the keys to the Dark Tower, you know, mythology, essentially. And what what they did with the comics is they expanded all of the backstory that we have in the gunslinger wizard and glass went through the keyhole. Um, well, I guess, I guess not went through the keyhole because I think they came after the comics, but anyway, um, all of the backstory and mythology of the, of the, uh, the gunslinger and wizard and glass and made it so riveting and so incredible and so dense with just, it, it captures that, the world of, of Midworld and, and Roland's, you know, world. Gilead is in the comics and it's, it's amazing. So all of that is to say, I don't really, as of this recording in the afterglow of this news item being, coming out, um, I don't have a problem with them doing chronological or going, uh, focusing on the backstory. My rationale for that is that this is, could be supplements to the book journey or this could all lead up to a second series after this one is completed that is the dark tower series that we know the dark tower quest uh with roland jake Susanna, eddie oi and uh pair callahan also um I, I just think, I think that there are so many, there's so many things that could happen with this and I really hope that it happens, that that it is, that it, that it has its life, that it, that it has this, that I hope that they have the opportunity to tell the story. Now I'm going to use that as a good transition to, uh, talk about where it's at in terms of the production. Um, according to that hashtag show, I believe if, I mean, if that website's right, they're going to start production next month, late next month in Croatia. Um, that means, hopefully, we'll get more casting announcements, more news and information about it coming out in the coming months. But it's worth noting that uh, all of the news outlets that that ran with the story, that broke the story and everything, said that it's uh, very close to a pilot order at Amazon. So that... That is, I don't know, maybe not ideal, but, uh, for those who don't know, the way that television works, the way that television production works, as I understand it, is that you get, you, you get, uh, funding for a TV show or for, you know, a pilot. You, you make a pilot episode. Um, uh, for those who haven't seen Pulp Fiction, a pilot is a, uh the first episode of a TV series this is what you sell to the network what you sell to the company that is going to distribute your show um so they'll go they'll go to Croatia they'll shoot the pilot uh and then they'll take it to Amazon and Amazon is close to a pilot order so that means that they have ordered the pilot they are uh I don't know if they're technically funding the pilot or or what but they've bought the pilot from MRC and Glenn Mazar and all that. Um, once they see the pilot, they will make a decision as to whether or not they will pick it up to series, which means that they'll give it a season, uh, a season long production, you know, contract, uh, for presumably 10 to 13 episodes. Um, if it gets picked up to series, great. They'll create the show. They'll air it on Amazon. If it's successful, they'll renew it. That's how television works. Um, I wish that it was like Lord of the Rings and that they and that they uh would would have greenlit like two seasons um right from the outset but that's I'm again I like I've I've tweeted this before and I've said this before but I'm under no um delusion that the Dark Tower is as iconic or as uh um prolific and widespread across our pop culture as Lord of the Rings. Like it's, it never w- it never was, never will be. But uh, I have high hopes. I think that, let, yeah, let me go ahead and talk about Glenn Mazzara for a moment. So Glenn Mazzara is a writer who I have had a lot of respect for. Um, his past work. I actually just recently rewatched, finished rewatching the shield, which was an FX show from 2002 to 2008. Um, that was, is it is one of my top three favorite TV series of all time. Like hard stop that it's, it is a perfect, it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great series of television, 88 episodes in the, the ending of that series is one of the greatest, most perfect just end runs of a TV TV series I've ever seen. Uh, me and tiny are going to talk about it on obsessive viewer here soon. But anyway, so he was a writer on the shield. He, he may have been like story editor or a staff writer. I don't know, but he, or and, and he was a producer. Um, so he was integral in creating some of the plots and, and, uh, helping, you know, give his voice into the, into the show. um, And it's worth mentioning, and I'm so tickled by this, but, um, I think I may have actually mentioned this in the, uh, in the Patreon thing. But anyway, back way, way back in like, uh, 2010, when me and Tiny were reading the Dark Tower series for the first time, we were reading, I think we we were reading the Gunslinger and he had mentioned that he thought that Michael Chiklis would make a great court, um, to play court in any adaptation. And I was like, yeah, that is a really great idea. Like that that's awesome. He's intimidating. Um, he's like, he just has this, this gruffness to him that I think he could really, um, really do well in that, uh, um, role. And, uh, I noticed that someone had tweeted at Glenn Mazzara with just a side by side picture of, uh, Michael Chiklis and the, uh, artwork from the, from the dark tower, uh, comic books that showed court. And they were like, I think Michael Chiklis would be a great court. And then like M- Glenn Mazar had actually liked the tweet. So I'm like that, that's awesome. I, I just think that that's cool. I'm glad that someone else thought of that too. Cause I thought that that was a really great, uh, idea for a casting thing. But anyway, Glenn Mazara uh, he was a writer for the shield and then he went, uh, uh, he was the showrunner for the walking dead in seasons two and three. Um, yes, or maybe he was, maybe he left in season. No, no, no. It season two and three. Um, season three of walking dead, I think was really good. Um, it was the kind of prison arc and the governor and everything. And I think that Glenn Mazzara did a, did a great job adapting that run of the comics into a TV show. Um, how the Walking Dead is now, and how it's perceived now, and how it's doing now, uh, is neither here nor there. But I really liked season three, and I really loved the end of season two, um, like the last episode. I, I thought that that was really great. So I'm super excited for, uh, Glenn Mazzara. And, um, and also it's worth mentioning that uh I haven't read up on it too much, but he is a very vocal uh, advocate for diversity and and for like uh writers the writers guild and everything of America. And uh I think that's really great. He seems like a super nice stand up guy, and uh I'm so excited about this. Oh, <sighs> <sighs> okay, so Okay, so so I'll get I'll get to my thoughts on the series and everything um, in the potential for the series, I mean, that may necessitate its own episode, um, which would be a super dumb idea on my part because my thought is like, oh, we could, we could sit there and talk about how, how we would map out the series and how we would want the series to go, which is a terrible idea because why would we want to do that in, in build up our, uh, expectations and everything. But anyway, um the next thing that i'm going to bring up here is that uh i glenn Mazar has has for months been radio silent as far as um as far as as far as uh, any word about the dark tower and his adaptation and everything um he has been completely silent about it however he has um had for uh several several months uh had the his twitter handle uh or his uh image on on twitter has been uh, uh image from from the cover of wizarding glass and uh his his cover art on twitter is the like his cover image is the first four books uh paperback images uh cover art and so it was just so nice to see when this news broke today to see him just re like a flood of retweets from Glenn Mazzara uh, of different news outlets and everything. Um, so I do mention that I, I was particularly it warmed my heart particularly well with um, with this is that actually the last thing that he retweeted as of this recording was a tweet from Sean Ryan, who was the showrunner for The Shield, um, who obviously he worked with uh with Glenn Mazar on the Shield. Um and Sean Ryan was also the uh showrunner, I believe, for Timeless, uh the uh TV series Timeless. I don't has that actually been renewed or is it cancelled? I don't know if it's still running, but anyway. Um and Sam Strike, who is gonna be playing Roland Deschain. Uh, appeared in an episode of Timeless. So Sean Ryan had retweeted uh, Glenn Mazzara and said, Sam did a great job for us on Timeless, and obviously Glenn Mazzara and I go way back, so I'm very happy to see two of my worlds colliding here. And that was kind of nice and heartwarming. So, um, yes. So there was there was also a tweet um, that I thought was really... I was so surprised by this. Um, so... Glen Mazzara, so, okay, so a uh, Twitter user, um, named Kevin, uh, tweeted at Glenn Mazzara and said, uh, please don't screw this up like the Dark Tower movie. Um, and Glenn Mazzara actually responded to him and, uh, <laughs> all Glenn Mazzara said <laughs> was, they made a movie? Um, which, first of all, I think that's hilarious because, I think that most of us are thinking the same thing. Um, but I was so surprised to see him do that because, or to see him comment uh, and make that joke because, uh, because MRC is still producing the show <laughs> and they produce the movie. So I, I don't know. I, I, that's, I just thought that was really interesting and, and kind of funny and surprising. Um, also, this is super, super, uh, nerdy, but, I tweeted my congratulations and support to Glenn Mazzara. He hasn't he hasn't responded or anything. Um, but it is by far the nerdiest tweet that I've tweeted in a very long time. So my tweet was, uh, at Glenn Mazzara, "'Show Slinger, from our little corner of the Dark Tower to you and your cotet, we say in the words of Aunt Talitha, "'Go now, we have broken bread, we have held palaver, we have your blessing, and you have ours.'" Go your course in safety, stand, and be true. And uh, I put a little emoji of a rose there. Um, and hashtag the Dark Tower TV. Um, so yeah, so that is the nerdiest thing that I've done in recent memory. But yeah, so let, let me talk a little bit, and I'll, I'll kind of close this out here because I've got to edit this and get it posted, and I kind of want to dig into the comics a little bit now. But um, okay, so to round out this episode, when this happ- when this news broke... I was at work and doing my work and everything and then like I just I was so surprised and so pleased and so excited about it that I was just like daydreaming a little bit too much but I went down to I work in an office building Uh, I work on the fifth floor and on the second floor they have a cafeteria so I went down there to get a drink and in between the time it took me to pay for my drink and go back to the elevator I had mentally thought of how this adapt- adaptation how this TV show could be mapped out for several seasons. Um, and I'll give you the cliff notes version of it and I'll be as non-spoiler as possible, but like, I mean, okay. So they're talking about making it, having it cover how Roland got his guns, how, uh, the, the whole mages thing, ev- everything. So the backstory and, there's so much content there that they could easily make this a four to five season TV series and hopefully of a very high caliber, no pun intended. Um, they, I feel like season one itself could be, could be the backstory, uh, uh, the backstory in the gunslinger, uh, Roland and Cuthbert, um, you know, stumbling upon a conspiracy and their kind of coming of age and how Roland was duped into, um, into, uh, taking his challenge to, to get his guns and everything early. Um, all of that, like basically all the Gilead stuff in the gunslinger could be an incredible first season of television that could absolutely be a great, like, uh, starting point for the series because it's got so much going for it. It's got this, this, uh, this other world that hasn't moved on yet. It's this, it's Gilead at kind of, uh, on at the height of its power or right on the cusp of, you know, the world moving on, um, because of actions that are referenced in the flashbacks in the gunslinger. So, they could do a whole first season that is introducing us to Gilead, to the Gunslingers, to uh, Stephen DeShane, to the whole concept of the line of Eld, all of that. And they could just do that throughout one season of television. Following that, we could have the Wizarding Glass storyline in season two. <laughs> Roland and his co- the, his comrades go to Magus, conspiratorial stuff, they you know, Roland falls in love and everything. The plot line of wizard and glass after that. Go back to Gilead, more conspiracy stuff. The good man, John Farson, the fall of Gilead, uh, the, the whole, um, aftermath of the fall of Gilead, the last gunslingers, the last cotet, Roland's last cotet, the battle of Jericho Hill. All of that can be, all of that can be expanded and told in a four to five season arc of television and then and then once they get to that point once they like in my wildest fantasy they tell those stories within like four or five seasons of t- television then they make either a season six or a new series that is a spinoff of that that is a big time jump that starts to tell the story of the books and Roland and his uh seeking the tower. And that will give them five presumably, I'm saying five years, but that's just kind of in my mind, five seasons is a, the optimal uh runtime of a of a television show. Um but it could be however long. But say for sake of argument that it's five seasons long they would have five seasons of television to build toward the adaptation of Stephen King's most complex and uh out there crazy story and you would have 5 to 7 however long uh seasons of goodwill uh assuming pr- provided that they do this right which i think that they they're in a good position to uh to do it right i think um you have all of that goodwill that you can bring in the crazy shit from the books. Um, and I feel like people won't really bat an eye. I actually started watching the dark tower movie just on a whim a few, like a week ago. And it was, it was interesting because being away from it for so long and honestly, not, not really thinking about it critically, uh, just kind of, um, lambasting hate upon it, uh, just on reflex anytime I thought about it or was, it was referenced to me, um, which isn't constructive, I know. But anytime I thought, like, I just didn't give it a critical thought. So watching it under, like, watching it without that pressure, without that, um, that kind of, uh, baggage that I would take into it, um, it, I, I wouldn't say it's good. I would never say it's good because it's not good. It's not a good movie. But what I can say is that I can see what they were going for. I can see why they made the choices that they did. Because this is a story that if they went full, full mid-world, full fantasy, um, in a movie format, like, I can see – I can, I think it would have worked if they just adapted the The Gunslinger. But I'm a huge fan of the series. It's my favorite thing in the world. And uh, if they had done that, that is lowering the amount of people who could be interested in it. Like, oh, it's a Western. Okay, I don't want to see a Western. Who cares about Westerns? Oh, it's fantasy. Uh, Who cares about fantasy? I don't want to see fantasy. Um, That kind of amalgam of things, like it doesn't really work if you pick one thing and go full stop or full throttle on it. Um, What they tried to do with that was make it kind of a YA... um, mystical kind of thriller um in the movie and i mean it was a gamble it didn't work at all i can almost respect uh that they wanted to do the uh that they wanted to introduce the concept of portals to other worlds the whole there are other worlds in these i can almost respect that they wanted to get that established early on, uh, if they were to do a full, a full franchise because they wouldn't want to shock people. They wouldn't want to go into it and just suddenly like the second movie is like, Oh, Hey, by the way, we're going to, we're going to have this, uh, this gunslinger guy just go into the, go into the mind of this heroin junkie on a plane. So, you know, uh, (laughs) you know, you just saw a whole, 93 minute movie of this guy wandering the desert, but Oh, Hey, he's going to be on a plane next. Um, so I can, I can understand why they were hesitant about it or why they were reticent for it. Um, something that I think that they could really now, now I know that I said that if they did full, like full fantasy, full, um, Western motifs and everything in, in the adaptation, they would lose some people in the, in the ensuing volumes and everything. But and I know that and I know that that's saying that, you know, that's essentially what they're doing here. It's like, this is, honestly, going back and adapting Roland's backstory makes sense on paper. Like, I understand and I, to an extent, I agree that it's not an ideal adaptation because it's not his quest. It's not showing the quest for the tower, which is what makes people fall in love with the series, is his, the way that he has to wrestle with... His morality and uh, what what he is willing to give up in pursuit of the tower is the most uh, – it's what people love about the Dark Tower. Taking that away from it is what they – first of all, what they did in the freaking movie um, by making it about trying to pursue uh, Walter and kill him. Which, uh, by the way, I did notice that in the Deadline article, they said that uh, they were kind of giving background on the story, and then they were like, uh, yeah, okay, Roland uh, is pursuing the man in black to kill him, and I'm like, that's, oh, nope, nope, that's the movie, don't, no. So anyway, having said all that, I understand that, like, I feel like the the TV show could be a a good middle ground, like they could have... They can have their cake and eat it too. They can go ahead and run with the full fantasy, Western, sci fi kind of idea. And if they do it right, if they do it right, they could make it so super engaging. Like, when I say if they can do it right, I don't want to see them, you know, we're, I don't want us to go through Gilead and see, like, oh, Pennywise written on and run down amusement park rides uh, as relics from from the from the old people or anything and have it be just so overt and referenced and everything. But I feel like the heart and like what what could be very important to this adaptation is in that set design though. I think that if they made Gilead, they made Midworld, Endworld, all the world, all that shit. If they made if they made Midworld um into something that looks on the cusp of desolation but having this vibrancy to it, cause it's still like lively, like Gilead is still up. It's still there, but have it be more cleverly and subtly tied to like our modern technology in a way that isn't overt or anything. It just, it could just be interesting little things. Like I'm thinking of like, like Sitco and, and, and like the gas and everything like, like the, the oil and everything. Um, just have it look rundown and post-apocalyptic, but don't have it be in our face and everything. And I think that that could be really engaging and really set the groundwork for kind of the otherworldly kind of stuff that could maybe be depicted, um, later on down the line. Um, so, okay, I need to get this edited and get to bed and get it released. So uh, we will talk more about this stuff. I'm going to hopefully have tiny back on, um, when things die down with his work and everything. So hopefully we can get his, uh, his uh, opinion on it and everything. And yeah. So what did you guys think of the news that uh, Castle Rock season two is going to be steeped in misery? Um, uh, what did you think of the casting news? What do you think of the plot d- details and everything? Let, let us know. Uh, Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod at TowerJunkiesPod on Twitter. Uh, Matt at ObsessedViewer.com if you want more long-form stuff. And let me know what you think of the Dark Tower TV news and everything. How do you feel about them going for Wizarding Glass and the backstory and everything? How do you feel about... That did my opinion sway you one way or the other. How do like, I want to have a nice palaver with you guys. Like, what did you guys think? What are your expectations? How excited are you? And, uh, how worried are you that they'll fuck it up? <laughs> um, those are the things we want to know. That's your homework. Please contact us. Let us know what you think. And, uh, yeah, I, today was a great day. Uh, these last two days have been great days for, to be Stephen King fans and to be dark tower fans. Um, and, it's just it's the year of king guys. It's 2019. It's the year of king. This is what this is the best time to be a fan of this man's work and I am so glad that I so glad and so thankful that I have a platform that uh we created to voice our love of this of this man's work and everything. And I love that, you know, people listen to us and I am so incredibly thankful for everyone who has downloaded this, who everyone who is sitting there listening to this right now, I am so thankful that you are letting me, uh, letting me and us here at tower jerky's pod, uh, you know, share time with you and, uh, share Kef and palaver with you. So, uh, keep the conversation going. Um, happy, dark tower announcement uh tv show announcement casting day um and we will talk more uh in the coming months about this uh as news breaks we'll we'll talk about it so um yeah as always long days and pleasant nights and may you have twice the number
0: Tower Junkies is edited and produced by Matt Hurt and presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For a full archive of our episodes, go to TowerJunkiesPod.com archive. You can also like our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash TowerJunkiesPod and follow us on Twitter at TowerJunkiesPod. If you enjoy the show, please take a couple minutes to leave us a rating and a quick review on Apple Podcasts. This is the easiest way to support what we do, and all it costs is just a little bit of your time. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a PayPal donation at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate, or support us on Patreon for recurring donations and access to commentary tracks and B-roll audio recorded exclusively for patrons at patreon.com slash viewer. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more, visit our TeePublic store. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. Or you can simply search for Obsessive Viewer at TeePublic.com. For information about our annual live event showcasing short horror films from local filmmakers, check out ShocktoberinIrvington.com. And for an archive of all our events, as well as news about potential future events, head over to obsessiveviewer.com slash live. For more podcast content, you can find our flagship movie and TV review and discussion show, The Obsessive Viewer Podcast, at obsessiveviewer.com, and on Twitter, at obsessiveviewer. You can also find Anthology, Matt's solo podcast covering The Twilight Zone, Another other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows at anthologypod.com and ovanthologypod on Twitter. And finally, check out The Secular Perspective, Tiny's side project podcast which tackles current events and life's big questions from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Music for the podcast is provided with permission from Fingers T on YouTube. Additional bumper music is provided courtesy of As Good As It Gets, which can be found at Facebook.com slash As Good As It Gets Band. Thank you so much for listening. Long days and pleasant nights. Kitty!